0: Welcome to The Reaction here on the Shot Radio Network. I'm your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Thank you for joining us once again. Joining me, as per usual, the Down Since Day One co-host, Mr. Tony Asero. Yo. Um, well, she was awake. And she was talking to me. And I think she was planning on joining
2: me, But maybe something came up.
0: We are once Maybe again retribution shortened.
2: had something to do with
0: it. You know, that was actually one of the things that she and I were going to talk about, too, because of the big reveal tonight. But we'll get to that a little bit later on, Tony. Um, did you get a chance to watch TakeOver on Sunday night by any chance? Nope. I didn't imagine you would. Uh, real quick, if you are a fan of Strong Style Wrestling, check out the main event between Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly. Those two beat the shit out of each other to the point that legitimate injuries by both and maybe tone it down a notch or two, guys, because it's supposed to look like it hurts, not actually send you to the hospital. FYI, the women's title match, the North American title match, and the, the Cruiserweight title match were all good to great as well. I uh, love the opener with uh, Damian Priest and Johnny Gargano for the North American title. I thought EO and Candice was really good, even though it turned into a bit of an overbooked mess at the end. I thought that Swerve and Escobar had a really good match. I think they're capable of more with a better finish, but all things considered, it was a good step in the, in the road for them. And a good way to introduce new characters into the, into the program as well. Um, the less said about Velveteen's Dream, probably the better right now. So I'm going to leave it at that with him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we'll just say that Kushida won that match the way that he should have, and we'll move on from there. All right, Tony. So next week is the draft, which means this is kind of a lame duck episode of Raw. I have good news. Lizzie's on her way shortly, so she just messaged me back. Okay, we're good. All right, anyway. We're looking at kind of a lame duck set of shows for Friday night and then tonight's episode of Raw, but I actually thought both shows were pretty good and pretty focused for once. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but it definitely seems like the storytelling between the two shows has been a lot more cohesive over the course of the last couple of weeks.
2: Um, yeah, I, I got to give the, the win to SmackDown if we're comparing the two shows, but um, of course. I, I feel like they're the efforts there but raw at least for me tonight raw was still kind of a mess i wasn't a big fan of the show as a whole um certain parts were okay but no i don't see any cohesiveness i see things being thrown at the wall and trying and hoping that they stick
0: well i think that along that line of thinking we're definitely going to be seeing the fallout from what happened on raw tonight and the fallout from what happened on SmackDown as well, specifically the official pairing of Miss Bliss with Bray Wyatt, the Fiend. Do you think they pulled the trigger a little bit too early, Liz?
3: No, I don't think so at all. I think we've been hearing about it for so long. There have been rumors of her joining him for so long now, I think. I think most people feel it's about time.
0: Tony, do you think they pulled the trigger too quickly on Alexa full on joining up
2: with Bray Wyatt? I mean, when is the right time? You know, there, this is one of those stories where he, if you don't pull the trigger on that, then what are we waiting for? Because she did the same thing two weeks in a row. Did you want more of that? Did you want a gradual decline into, you know, being psycho? Did you want more Festus related triggering where just the word causes her to act different? Um, You know, I think that this still has legs. I think that it's being presented, you know, not badly. Uh, There were some hiccups that I can point out, but no, I don't mind it. I don't think it's going too fast. I don't think it was too soon. I did appreciate her response to
0: Owens' comment about being brainwashed. I thought that that was a really clever response to that and not one I've heard before. Um... Do you think that this keeps her on SmackDown in the heel role, or do you think that she kind of walks that tweener line still, Tony?
2: Um, I don't think you can readily define her role as far as face or heel goes quite yet, because she hasn't done anything. But the inevitable answer is she's going to be aligned with the fiend. So, you know, some could say that she's a victim, which would make her a face, but I think she's going to go, you know, full-blown heel slash Sister Abigail pretty soon. Liz,
0: do you think this is almost a situation of Stockholm Syndrome for Alexa with her uh, aligning herself with her captor?
3: I don't know. I think that's, for me, I think that's the one um, kind of un- I don't know if you'd say it was a Stockholm Syndrome. I think that's the one thing that's kind of like well, that whole, you know, the the one match. real. I think not, they didn't give us yet enough background between the two of them. I feel like maybe they'll say something um something more. Maybe we'll we'll learn some more about what brought her, you know, to his side. I don't see it as a Stockholm syndrome case though.
0: Tony, our main event was Sami Zayn versus Jeff Hardy for the Intercontinental Championship, and apparently the commenters on four one one were not happy that you did not give
2: an extra half star. <laughs> Yeah. Well I mean I'm on the Tony Khan payroll, so you know. And Orange Cassidy wasn't even around. I don't know how they expected any more than four stars. That's the exact
0: response um, I was hoping to get there. Overall, what did you think? And do you do you agree or disagree with giving that match away just uh five days after the pay per view? Do you think it's something that they probably could have saved for hell in a cell?
2: No, I I think that it was perfectly placed. I think that sometimes you need a main event like that on SmackDown. I think the story was great. But you can't deny that the WWE product is formulaic. And the only time that a match comes off as better than what it can be is if it's not formulaic. So you add the corner spot with the turnbuckle removed, and that added another element to the match, which made it fun. You know, and it did make it worthy of, you know, whatever I gave it. I think it was three and a half. But realistically speaking, you still get a lot of the formula. And it's not like, you know, the the whole John Cena five moves of doom thing used to be a joke. But now every single wrestler has one. Now, you know you have signature moves. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows whether you're playing, a w, you know, a 2K video or you're watching wrestling and whatever. Every Or you even on the indies, you know... These are, this is that guy's moveset, but I would bring up the indies again. If you go to an indie show and you watch one guy and then you go next month and you watch the same guy and then you go next month and you watch the same guy again, I can almost guarantee all three of those matches significantly different, not just a little bit different. WWE's issue is that they go out there and they give you the skeleton that we've seen way too many times before. So if you add a little bit of fluff, sure, it comes off as a good match, but it doesn't erase the fact that you're going to get Jeff Hardy mule kicking, leg dropping, doing the same thing that he always does, Cole yelling out vintage. You know, it it just doesn't – they sometimes find creative ways to work around that and even make that fall on its face. This was not one of those times. This was a really good match that was – That was – no, because I've seen it already. I've seen everything that happened with the exception of the corner spot. Everything. A reversal of it. And not only that, not only did I not see it, I saw it about a week ago. But that was going to be the point,
0: though, with him using the counter to the whisper and the wind into the exposed turnbuckle there. So you did kind of turn one of Jeff's signature spots on its head there.
2: I'm literally saying that aside from the turnbuckle, (laughs) that everything else was – I'm that, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah I'm adding i mean that that's very much a part of it, and I'm not saying that that wasn't great because I gave the match what I gave it for a reason. The problem is with every single w w e match, they fall on that because it's easy, you know that that that's just i that's the production that they want that's what's exposed on television that's what they do this is not news, this isn't something that just started happening, but it just comes off as. Formulaic. I mean, to the point where we've joked about, I can probably write a match without seeing it and be at least 80% correct.
0: Liz, what did you make of the Sami Zayn-Jeff Hardy match in the main event from SmackDown?
3: Um, I mean, we all know that everything Tony says is correct. He always makes his excellent points, but I just enjoyed it for what it was. I mean, it, every most of them matches are... If you've been watching it long enough, and I don't have the background, either one of you do, I say that all the time, you can figure out like, oh, X, Y, and Z, or, you know, it's going gonna, gonna to happen. Um, but I enjoyed the match, and I didn't enjoy the match, but to be honest, I can't really pinpoint why I didn't enjoy the match. Um, is it maybe, is it because deep down it was okay, something we've seen, you know, time and time again. I love Sammy. You know, I've been a fan of Jeff's for a while. It was a great match but I wasn't completely into it um, to I actually expected Sammy to lose <laughs> um, quickly lose the, the title the title quickly I, I'm, I'm not going
0: to lie the thought crossed my mind as well when they announced they were doing Sammy versus Jeff for the Intercontinental title on Smackdown that they were going to switch the belt over to Jeff mm-hmm. or back over to Jeff all right Y'all ready to hit some quick hits for SmackDown here? Mm hmm. All right. Our opening segment was Heyman and Reigns. And Heyman goes to coordinate Reigns as the head of the. I'm going to fuck this up. Anoa'i family. But Reigns says that he doesn't want it because he felt disrespected by what happened at Clash of Champions with Jey Uso. We talked about that when we did the show last week. About the fact that Jay would not acknowledge Roman as the chief, Roman calls Jay out. Jay accepts the call out, and then Roman wants him to Roman wants Jay to acknowledge him because he gave Jay the spot that he gave him out of the kindness of his heart. The entire time, Jay is staring at the the universal title. Roman calls him on it and says that if you want if it's all about the belt, if you want another match, you can have another match, but there will be consequences that come with this match. Tony, you said last week on the show that you were really hoping that they would continue Roman and Uso. Are you surprised to see them take it into the cell?
2: No, no, not at all. I think that um, this was the natural progression of it. I would have been upset if they didn't go uh, into the Hell in the Cell, whether it be in the cell or not. Uh, if they didn't get another night, I'd be pretty pretty disappointed, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, the fact that they're going this route and the fact that it just seems so, like, I don't know, Rains just seems so dastardly and manipulative and, oof, I don't know, I loved every second of it. It was great.
0: Well, it's the same question. Are you surprised to see them taking this to the cell? I
3: think it to to the actual Hell in the Cell that's yes, probably because I didn't realize that pay per view anything was was coming up. I'm not gonna lie there, um, but it it seems natural. I think it's I normally re- really don't care for like family versus family um, storylines, but this has been amazing. If you say it's not not you guys, but if anybody says it's not, then you're just hating. You know to hate. Um, but I think. I think it, you know I think it makes sense a lot of history a lot of anim- animosity you know I think it's the first time in a while I'm actually looking forward to that type of match
0: speaking of jay he's in our opening contest against aj styles picking up a clean clean fall victory with the redacted splash not a frog splash cold, over aj styles uh big name for AJ for Jay to get a singles win over. Were you surprised to see them using AJ as kind of a solidifier for Uso in the main event
3: spot here? I was. I think a lot of people were. Um, but it also makes sense because I think if you had him lose to anybody um, right after that segment, it would have just kind of killed some of his momentum.
0: Tony, same question. Are you surprised that they gave Jay a win over AJ Styles in order to solidify his main event status?
2: Um, not particularly. I, I do feel that it's a little short-sighted. Um, I don't think it needed to happen. I know why they do it, and I don't know why they have this mindset. I think they create the mindset on their own. A lot of us that have pre- preconceived notions of what wrestling to, is to be, is because of what WWE does on a weekly basis. And this is one of the things that they do. Heading into a match, they assume that you, as a viewer, do not believe that this particular person cannot possibly win. So we're going to have him get some wins just before that event. But the wins do more to hurt other people than it does to help the person you're trying to help. I don't think anybody believes that Jay couldn't beat uh, Roman in the, in the hell in the cell. I don't think anyone's thinking about that at all. So having him get a win over AJ, and it doesn't really damage AJ because AJ can recover really well. But it's just one of those booking tropes that kind of like irk me a little bit, you know? I agree. I, I'm okay, not I did not think you were going to agree, actually. <laughs> I, I think that it's
0: become such a cliche to use people to build up others going into title shots that you forget about the fact that some of those other people have more long-term viability in these main event spots. AJ Styles is a viable long-term main eventer, at least for the length of whatever's left for his contract, because he said he's close to calling it a career if he actually does. Jay Uso, let's be honest. Once Jimmy's back, he's probably going back to tag team wrestling.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even if he doesn't, it doesn't mean that he needed that win, per se. You know, he could have fought anyone. Um, the, good, the good news is it was AJ Styles, and so it was a serviceable match. But if you want to show <laughs> that Jay can beat Roman Reigns, you don't have him, you know, you don't have him go up against Braun Strowman, which is another possibility that they, that they like to do. Uh, so you can beat this big guy. You could beat that big guy. Um, just give him one of those long matches. You know what I mean, Harry? One of those matches that are like 10 minutes, and you're like, oh, shit, this guy can go. You know, where, that even if, that he can... go ahead. where even if he doesn't win,
0: he hangs in there and, and can show that he can hang with the top tier talent.
2: Yeah, because there's 10 minute matches and then there's 10 minute bangers, you know, and I think Jay might be capable of having one of those had had they given him the chance. And I think that that would go much further with the viewer than him beating AJ, because I think some people are like, well, that was kind of a fluke or blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, props to AJ. Not that he had any say in it, but props to him for going out there and giving you know Jay that win. There were two people on
0: this episode of SmackDown I felt bad for. Yeah. The first of which, the first of which was John Morrison, who got pinned in a minute and thirty nine seconds by Otis. Oh.
1: Really, Tony?
0: <laughs> wow, that was upsetting. Like. They almost certainly have to move Morrison in the draft and
2: get him away from SmackDown, don't they, in order to rehabilitate him, right? Well, remember we talked about it where, like, I, I, I didn't expect him to come back and just be shot to the main event. But it was also one of those wrestlers where it's like, you really got to ask, why, why not? If it wasn't for that, why sign him? The dude's got the skills. He's been a main eventer in other companies. He's still got an, a, great, a, a great move set, a great body. Great personality when he's not tied to the Miz. <clears throat> like, he why carries not? himself but, like a superstar, too. Yeah. But instead, you put him in comedy bits where he's getting flipped over in a truck and then pulling pranks and dropping slime. And where do these wrestlers get this slime? Do they have a slime guy? I don't know. Um, and then you have him lose to Otis in a minute and a half.
0: Wrestling Slime R wrestling slime Us. That's it's a, a picture. Uh, it hmm. Minute, minute and thirty nine minute and thirty nine seconds for Morris and to Otis.
3: I know it seems it seems ridiculous. It's one of those things where you kinda like you fall into dirt cheap mode and you're like, Okay, wait, who did he piss off? You know, like why is he being punished? <laughs> and no no disrespect to to Otis, but there was such hype and he did so well for himself outside of the company. It's definitely one of those things where you're like, all right, what did he do? You know, did he fail a drug test or something that they're trying not to say, I like you try to look for excuses why this is happening.
2: Speaking yeah. of those, Liz, speak, Liz speaking Liz of those touches 10 on a bank. really interesting, a really interesting point. Sorry. I just want to like the idea. Cause you know, Liz, I'm actually a lot like that with Harry where, um, I don't like to follow the dirt sheets. I don't like to assume readily that Vince McMahon is some psycho that loves poop jokes. I and don't either. That
3: I don't follow them but at all. Just,
2: yeah. But it's creepy to see stuff on TV and you're like, damn, like I really don't want this to be true. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like Lana getting fucking Samoan dropped into a table three weeks in, or three, three out of four weeks. Like you don't want to believe that's because Ruth is in another company, but, when you think about it as far as telling a story, like, why are you doing this?
1: <laughs> no. I'm not saying
0: somebody's there, somebody there is vindictive about Miro, but
3: somebody there
0: is vindictive about Miro. Um, speaking of those 10 minute bangers, Tony, Biggie and Sheamus in a false count anywhere match next week. What are your expectations?
2: Um, I think, man, I, I think it's going to be great. Um, I, 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 I don't know. It's hard. You know, I don't like to compare SmackDown and AEW or WWE and AEW. I think that it's a disservice to both companies to compare them. But it's hard to take any street fight or parking lot brawl or anything like that seriously when it was so close to what I saw, you know, a few weeks ago. Because that was a banger. <laughs> so I think that anything Biggie E and Sheamus do, I mean, I'm going to try my best to keep it in a vacuum. I just think all wrestling companies should stay away from street fights and parking lot brawls for at least another month or so because I think Trent Beretta is still picking glass out of his back.
0: Liz, you know how I mentioned that there were two people on SmackDown I felt bad for? One was uh, John Morrison, who lost in a minute and 39 to Otis. The other was Chad Gable, who lost in 53 seconds to Sheamus. (laughs)
3: I don't think they, I mean, it's no surprise, I don't feel it, the, mm, my mouth is so dry, and I, I, it's no surprise if it doesn't seem like they know what the hell to do with Chad. I mean, one second, he seems to be um, getting some type of push or airtime, and the next he's being fed to people again. I just, I feel bad for him as well, I think, he, I think. I mean, it's hard to say, oh, he deserves better. I mean, Morrison, you know, deserves better. They all deserve better. Um. But it just makes zero sense to me. I mean, it's Sheamus. I guess for the storyline purposes, you expected him to lose. But I don't like any of those matches where where it's like so quick. It seems so so insulting.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I'm fine with him losing to Sheamus. I'm not fine with him losing to Sheamus in 53 seconds, Tony. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) Well Yeah The less said the better Let's move on Six man tag team action sees Matt Riddle Pin Cesaro With the bro Derek to give the team of Riddle uh, And Lince Dorado a victory over King Corbin, Cesaro, and Shinsuke I kind of want to see Riddle And I mean I know that he's a singles guy but I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Riddle find somebody to tag with in order to take on Cesaro and Shinsuke. As long as it's not one of the Lucha house party members.
2: (sighs) I mean, I don't, I, I feel, I don't know if it's just an adoration for tag team wrestling or just being upset at the way they've been presented for so long, but I don't want a thrown together tag team anymore. At least not for a while. And I certainly don't want Cesaro losing to anybody ever in life because he is a man god and I will buy all the coffee he sells if necessary to make him smile. Um, but aside from that, the dude is an amazing wrestler. So the last thing I just need is him losing to Riddle out. and ty- ty- you know, t- uh, teaming up with anybody else. So I'm not opposed to it. I just wish that tag teams, for the most part, um, you know, kind of prove that they were tag teams. And of course, that's I'm not. That's a blanket statement. There's plenty of teams that are actual teams. But when you look at you know Shayna and Nia, like that whole thing annoys me. It it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't like the one-upmanship. It you know step put aside the fact that Naya's horrible. Um, it just I'm just not a fan. So yeah, Riddle finding a partner who can team up with him. I, I can't think of any potheads on the show that would you know be able to match his vibe. Man. But I certainly don't want him to lose I don't want Cesaro to lose
0: Van Dam did just leave Impact, I'm just going to throw that out there Thank God, no <laughs> is tired of all the old, the old people on the roster What did you think of no. the tag? Yes, you are
3: I might. Mean, I'm tired of all the old people that wrestling. Now I've never. I mean, I actually like Rob Van Dam, but I can't take to Riddle. I know he's whatever. He, I I don't know. I don't. He's of course he's a good wrestler and, and whatever. I don't know if it's his bro personality that I think is just so friggin' stupid. Um, and I would think it's stupid on anybody. So you know, to be fair, it's just whatever. Um. The it's Lucha House Party, God bless them. They've held in there so long. I'm not surprised we're finally getting a storyline. with they they? Um, I'd like to actually see more. I'm more interested in the Lucha House Party breaking up because I want like some more background in it. Like you know what's really behind it. I want some dirt in it. I want some meat from it than anything to do with with Riddle. Um, everything about Cesaro that Tony said, I 100,000% agree with. I've actually bought his coffee because I am that odd weird type of fan girl. I will not not buy a t-shirt, but I will buy the coffee, um, which is actually really good. And that's my unbiased, coffee-loving opinion, not because it has his name on it. Um, But I don't care if he tags with anybody. I I can't take to him. Maybe he's going to be one of those people that, like, Sasha eventually grows on me, but I highly, highly doubt it. And I don't think... I don't like the thrown-together tag teams. We'll get to Nair and Shayna later. I can't freaking stand them. I'll just go on record saying that now. But, uh, yeah, no, Riddle can just go away into the abyss for my opinion. Well,
0: if it makes you feel better, Liz, Christine doesn't like Riddle either. She doesn't have a reason. He just rubs her the wrong way.
3: Yes, exactly. I don't know what it is. And it's not like, oh, it's not like with, Be- let's see, to Bar- for Baron, for example, like, oh, well, if you hate him, you know, he's doing his job. Um, It's it's not like, you know, like the heel doing that job or whatever, and he's not even a heel in this or whatever. It's just, <laughs> just something about him. Like, I like Ray better than I like him.
2: I just think there's not enough of who he is for anyone to have an opinion and what that does is it creates a disconnect between customer or uh, character and viewer. It's with any mm-hmm. TV show really, but like this one in particular with Riddle. Okay. So we can assume because it's not blatant. It's kind of, you know, it's there, but we can assume he smokes a lot of weed and we know that when his when he was a kid, his feet were frozen or he got freezer burn. That's all that we know about Matt Riddle on TV. Mm-hmm. So where what? is the... How could we connect with this guy? Because he doesn't like Corbin either? Like, <laughs> you know? I mean, I know He's there are Corbin a lot of potheads. His, there are a lot, lot of potheads that, that connect with Riddle. Well, you know, but you have to understand, it's 2020. Potheads aren't the same. Some people just smoke weed. You know what I mean? They don't mm-hmm. have the same uh, personality or verbiage. Like, that. That that cliché... Um, Spicoli, you know, character is archaic now. It's kind of mm-hmm. old, unless you're like a surfer in Venice. Like it just everybody. I, I have a staff of fifty, and I can guarantee you about forty of them smoke weed, and mm-hmm. none of them speak like Riddle. <laughs> That's not cool. Ah, they do their job well. <laughs> uh.
0: Uh, Liz, she's not your princess anymore. The official reveal of Carmella as the mystery woman, as anticipated by the whole super sluice on Twitter, realizing the hidden dove tattoo and such. Um, off TV for six months, finally making her return here. Do you care? Um,
3: no, I think is the answer that I'm going to go for there. And it's not a slight for Carmella, because I actually like Carmella. I, she's one of the few women that I follow on social media because I actually enjoy her her, her posts. Um, I mean, when they when she first came up from NXT, I don't think anybody out uh, of the three of them thought that she'd still, one that'd still be around. So hey, God bless her. She put in the you know work, whatever, whatever the hell she did. Um, I do. I don't hate her. I I actually like. The Carmella character did grow on me. I never understood being from Staten Island. I never understood why the hell they chose Staten Island. Like you know, whatever. But fine, <laughs> get 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 my bro out there. We're forgotten. I didn't know it's true. I have like no idea why they chose Staten Island. And um, so I think we all knew it was Carmella. Some people were trying to say it was like Summer Ray, which would have been like Ray, way 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 worse. Um, Carmella, I like I'm liking seeing everybody come back in some way. A lot of people are like, oh, it's emelina She got such shit online. It was, like, absolutely ridiculous. But I I don't think that... I'm wondering with that character, this, like, sexy, glamorous character, how it actually fits in anymore with the state of how they have, you know, their women wrestling. I think, kind of think that she's going to be on air for... And this isn't a slight on Carmella. It's a slight on how they're branding her. Um... We're going to be on for a few months, and then she's going to get another reset. Because I just don't think that type of character, because you had, it, it is almost a similar way to how Lana Lana was, the way she, you know, she dressed and presented herself to a degree. but doesn't really fit in with the other, you know, the other women. Even Lisey, who presents herself as, you know, super feminine, super woman, and whatever, it's just, there's a big disconnect between this character and the other 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 women.
0: Tony, same question. The official reveal is Carmella. Do you care?
2: Um, Unfortunately, no. And I'll tell you what we're not going to do on the raw reaction. And this has nothing to do with the presence of Liz, but we're not going to bash Carmella on her looks because that's just fucked up. And if there's one thing that I, I, after reading everything, like it just doesn't make sense that about her change in makeup. Now, One could argue that the reason why people are bothered is because it's basically Charlotte Light. But even that is a somewhat baseless argument. The problem is that the WWE has tried this so many times with so many different people, and it all comes down to what happens when they actually arrive. How does this character translate to in the ring and on the screen? So we have this woman who has created agency with herself and has owned who she is. And then she uses verbiage that we've heard in wrestling since the beginning of time that it's suddenly our fault and we are the ones that made her do this and, we're, and she did all of this for us. And I just don't think anybody's interested in that storyline anymore in terms of a heel turn. We, got, we get it almost every turn, you know. I'm tired of doing this for your cheers. I'm no longer doing this for you. I'm doing it for me. So it just gets annoying. So that's strike one strike two is the inevitable that no matter how many vignettes you have of a woman dressed up nicely and doing her makeup, she's still got to get in the ring and she's still got to wrestle. And none of that matters in there. The closest you get to that mattering is with Lacey because she's a woman who doesn't like the nasties. And some of her character work is involved in the ring, which I mean, credit to her. I think she fine tuned that in NXT and then it just kind of got lost in the, on the main roster. Carmella unless she has developed an entirely new moveset is going to come out and she's going to be the same Carmela, you know, and, and not that there's anything wrong with that because I never disliked the old Carmela. I thought she was growing and becoming an uh, amazing performer um, and was able to handle being a little smart ass, but also being funny. So yeah, I don't think this is going to work out, although seeing it yet other than the, the reveal. So I'm also willing to kind of wait it out. I have a couple of different thoughts about this here, and then I'll let Tony take the floor for the
0: discussion about what Sasha had to say to Bailey because Tony's going to drool all over Sasha like he usually does. Here's the thing with the Carmelo reveal. One, it's like you guys both said, this kind of persona does not translate well to television. Vignettes, sure, absolutely. it's It's an easy character to put into a vignette. It is an incredibly difficult character to pull off on live performance because you have to fine-tune the balance of supermodel and superstar, and I don't necessarily know that that's a balance that they're able to walk. The word that I would use to describe Carmella before she left was serviceable. She wasn't one of my favorite wrestlers, but I didn't audibly groan when she was on television either like I do with certain people.
1: (coughs) Nia Jax.
0: Sorry, had a cough there. The is going to be is how much of the rejuvenation of Carmella comes across in her in-ring work as well. If she's going to play the supermodel character, does she go kind of like diva-esque inside of the ring? Do we see a regression towards diva-esque style wrestling in the ring with Carmella? Because I think that would fit the character, but I don't know that it fits in, like Liz said, with the current women's evolution that they're pushing upon us. I'm willing to give it an opportunity to see how it translates to a live performance, because like Tony said, we've only seen it on vignettes. That being said, this character has a very short shelf life. Tony, Sasha's
2: talking about Bailey. So everything Sasha says is amazing. No, I'm kidding. Um, Uh, I I think the biggest thing that bothered me was the fact that Sasha has been wearing a neck brace for quite some time and moves her neck more than every single woman on the roster combined. That girl has got attitude and you can see it. And that's fine, except for when you're trying to sell a neck injury. (laughs) Um, After being pilmonized, one would assume that there's some type of, you know, agitation in your, um, you know, your, your, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> in your neck. Um, and Sasha, as awesome and beautiful as she is, um, you know, couldn't hold it still. Now, one could say she took it off, so that just means she's been faking it and she wants to show everyone that she's strong and ready to go. Um, but it's been happening for the past few weeks. Now, my second biggest gripe is one that comes with almost every single female promo when the match is considered more important than usual. Why, why, why does every single promo that comes out of a woman, a woman's mouth in WWE have to end with the word bitch? Why? And I'm not, you know what? It's not even just females. Why are guys calling other guys bitches? Not that that, that term is gender specific. It's just played out. It's dumb. It's like something on the playground so I, I don't know. I think that they think it pontificates the anger and just makes you realize how serious this is. But it's annoying, and that could be a personal choice because, you know, I like words, and this just seems like a lazy way out. But I don't think it is. I think a lot of people would be bothered by it because, it's like, okay, we get it. Yeah, okay, she's a bitch. <laughs> Please your thoughts on the segment with Sasha calling
0: out Bailey.
3: Yes, I've, I've said before that, you know, foster has really grown on me since, um, she had a whole, um, return and that special and, and whatnot, and I admit I've, I slept, you know, on her and, and whatnot, but it, like, it wasn't something that we haven't heard before, I actually didn't really pay attention to how much she moved, um, her, her neck, so I actually want to go back and look, um, but it wasn't, I mean, it was okay. It wasn't anything unexpected. And they do, Tony's right, they do use the word bitch a lot <laughs> for some reason. I guess it's something that maybe is supposed to also express that, how angry they are. I, I don't know. I can't add anything to that. But it wasn't anything, it wasn't awful, but it wasn't anything overly spectacular either.
0: Overall show rating for SmackDown, Tony.
3: Um,
2: I think I I think I enjoyed the show. I don't recall when I rated it. I think it must have been a seven or an eight. I think um, I think you gave it that's an the eight. a. Yeah, that's the benefit of a yeah. it's the benefit of a two-hour show where you know there's not a lot of room for error and everything was focused. Everything was driven. Everything advanced the storyline. There wasn't any fluff that I could recall. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with eight. Um, which is funny. You know, you rate a show an eight, which is a very high rating in my opinion. Um, and people still think it's me shitting all over WWE. But no, I think SmackDown was amazing. Raw, not so much. Liz?
3: Yeah, I think a good solid eight was the perfect number for it. It was very enjoyable. It seemed to move along really quickly and not in a bad way. Like, it didn't didn't drag out.
0: See, I'm actually even higher than you guys are at an eight and a half. Um, Two really good matches. Two matches that kind of pissed me off, but understandable for the stories with which they were going with for them in a vacuum, I suppose. But everything logically progressed. Nothing outright irritated me in terms of storytelling because even though the treatment of John Morrison and Chad Gable may have upset me, you can kind of understand why the booking was going for those matches. So it's not as offensive as it would have been had it happened for the sake of happening rather than had it happened for the sake of making Otis look like he's out for vengeance against Miz and Seamus looking like he's ready for his uh, blow off with Big E next week so I'm going to go with an eight and a half for SmackDown, I really enjoyed it and like Tony said, the two hour time slot for SmackDown definitely helps its ratings because it feels like there's less fluff on SmackDown than there is on Raw so let's move over to tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw and while I had two things listed inside of the show description, we're opening with neither of them
1: Tony,
2: Yes.
0: verbatim from the Raw report, are you ready? Perhaps the hacker has taught retribution how to turn light switches off and on and cause minor glitches during the broadcast. This, This is the important <laughs> quote right here. This is the most interested I've been in this storyline since the start, although that's not saying much. All right, let's – Mm-hmm. talk about it here it is the reveal that the leader apparently of retribution is mustafa ali me and liz were talking about this off air her and i will have our conversation once you're done giving your thoughts that being said where do you stand on the reveal for ali as the leader of retribution
2: i I struggle with it because Ali is great and deserves a platform to be better, um, both in and outside of the ring. Everything we've heard, read, seen, and have have actual proof of, Ali's just a great guy. So – can, when you consider uh an actor getting a role of a lifetime or a a big blockbuster movie film, you're happy for this actor because you've been a big break. hypothetically watching yeah, watching them since the beginning with their indie films and all that, and I think we're 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 the same boat as Ali, and he does a lot of the little things. I also mentioned the report when he came out to fight m v p he didn't do his typical entrance because he was pissed like he was annoyed. he barely even put his hand up and waved his fingers a little bit at the camera because you know he still has fans. And I love that moment. I thought it was a testament to how good Ali is, at least character-wise. And then we get the big reveal. Now, they're, they're not saying Ali's the leader, but that's basically where they're going. The problem is... They... You... What? They, they kind of said he was, because the announcers talked about yeah, it, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's an assumption. But again, remember, I don't like filling in the gaps for the WWE. You know, the gap that they should be doing. Um... Obviously, they can't right now because they're supposed to be wondering what the hell's going on. So I'm not, I'm not upset about that. Um, I don't know how they're going to tie this together. I do know that it's possible, okay? That, that's kind of why I'm intrigued by it because I don't have a list of notes that I expect them to hit. But it's one of those times where you have a story presented and they have been failing every single week. Everything about this is just dumb. I have shot holes through this plot so much over the past several weeks. And all of them are true and all of them are valid. And this has nothing to do with my pride as much as simply looking at a product and saying, hey, that doesn't make any fucking sense. So Ali has a grudge, has a gripe, and also has the possibility of that character who everyone assumed was him anyway. Um, And if you tie all that together nicely then maybe we have something salvageable here. But I will guarantee you this, Ali was not always in the picture. This was not the plan from the jump. And that just comes off, like, almost obviously. Um, So if they can kind of maneuver this into making Ali, like, you know, a martyr, but also a representation then great. But it doesn't explain why anybody would join him. It doesn't explain why the WWE would give them contracts to keep them, quote-unquote, under control. It doesn't explain how they would break into the production truck and whatnot. Of course, like I said, if he's the hacker, because he has to be the hacker in order for all this to work, then you can use that as the reasoning. But it also doesn't give the, these, this number of people uh, motivation to destroy the WWE and then willingly sign a contract by the WWE. Um, It just doesn't, none of that makes sense. And I don't see how they'll be able to make that make sense. Uh, Second thing, which I think is more of a personal thing, and I was actually waiting for the podcast to bring it up. Does Ali, and you guys can answer this while you talk about what your response is. Does Ali being the leader officially make retribution a mid-card act? No.
0: And the reason I say no is because I think that Ali is one of those guys who, given the proper stage, could be doing so much more despite his size limitations. He is a guy who can talk on the microphone. He is a guy who can back it up inside of the ring. He is a guy who has his character down pat. He is a guy who stands behind his character online and portrays his character online never breaking character online. Ali is a guy who gets professional wrestling. I have absolutely no doubt that this could be used to make Ali a main eventer.
1: Sick.
0: Liz?
3: Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't mind it. Um Again, it's one of those things that's been rumored for a while because he was rumored to be the hacker, which maybe we'll find out he was. I don't know if they mentioned that. I missed um, some of what the announcers were saying. Um, I don't mind it. I don't think it makes absolutely any sense yet. Um, I don't hate the Retribution storyline. It's dumb as dirt. Let's let's face it, it's dumb as dirt. They ruined it for, like after the second week. I think it stopped it started being even dumber um, when they put it only on Roar. I mean, in the tiniest sense, I get why they did it, um, but I really don't, because I think that killed it even more. Like, why are they just targeting Roar if they're, like, annoyed with everything? I said it a while ago, um, I think Retribution would have made a little bit more sense if they had put out some type of manifesto or statement, you know, early on. And hinted that there was some, you know, bust behind him. Obviously, there, you know, there, there was. um Will it make sense? Who knows? Maybe. I don't mind that it's, you know, Ali, and I definitely don't. I definitely don't mind him as a heel. Um, he That's like, like he said he's. What? Oh,
0: go ahead. Go ahead, Liz. I, I no, was, no, I was go gonna
3: ahead. say no, no. I was gonna say like you said he does. Like you both said, he stands behind everything he says and his character online and such, but I don't think just because he seems like such a nice guy in real life that it means he can't play, um, play a heel. See, this is coming from Ali himself,
0: though, that he wanted to be an example for people of his descent. And let's be honest, the early comparisons for the group of retribution were similar to that of domestic terrorism, were they not? which would strike me as something that Ali would want to stay as far as possible away from those kind of comparisons. That's my biggest concern about Ali being involved here because I think that Mustafa Ali, the person, not the character Mustafa Ali, but Mustafa Ali, the person, might not be fully committed to the role.
3: I don't know. We make a lot of assumptions on very little. um, I absolutely understand why you say that because he is very, very vocal about about that type of thing and that's amazing because you definitely you definitely need somebody. up you definitely the world definitely needs a voice like that Um, but also it is you you know it was seems like some type of domestic terrorism but maybe he'll make it make some other type of sense you know steer it a little bit away you know away from the corporate sabotage I don't know which is still terrorism but whatever I'll give it the benefit of, of the doubt, which is something you two definitely rarely do, um, for a bit and, and, and see what happens. That I don't, hurts. you know. No, but it's true. It's true. You two are very quick to say, like, oh, I don't think this person. I, I don't Listen, I don't have the background the two of you do in, in the world of wrestling. Some days I think, you know, wonder why the hell I'm even on here, you know, whatever, because whatever, I just ramble. But I do. I give it the. I, try to give him more stuff to benefit the doubt, even, you know, if I end up dismissing it fairly fairly quickly. Um, I'm willing to give it, this a chance I, with Ali, though. And the no, I, I, I know. To I didn't say you were, and I'm just saying in general.
0: Well, the reason I'm more willing to give this a chance with Ali is we've talked about this on the show, that Ali is one of the most criminally underutilized guys in the company. And I will say this much. I mentioned his character work on Twitter as well. Uh, The very first thing that he posted after Raw Tonight on his Twitter page is the photo of him standing dead center of the ring with retribution, captioned, some dreams die so that others can live. So if he's willing to put the kind of effort into the character to make it work, then I 100% believe that this could be used as a way to make Ali a a main event player on Monday Night Raw, and he is somebody who deserves that spot in my opinion there we go, talking about what people do and don't deserve again, but I stand by what I just said. Johnny, do you have any further additions
2: to this conversation, or shall we move on? Uh, Liz is right about me. I don't want her to think that she's speaking unfairly. That's
1: all. <laughs> Liz just assumes
0: that you love everything sauce and shit on everything, not at EW. Is that about accurate?
3: No, yeah. not at all. That's
2: No, no, no. Tony will agree to that. She's she's, she's not alone though. She's you know, with a with a lack of hope for certain storylines and characters. I try my best to give as many reasons as to why I feel that way. But no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and deny that. I think that Liz is very astute and the reason why she's on this show is because I think there's a part of you that's still more of a fan than, you know, at least my analytical point of views. I think it's very necessary, Liz. I think people like you matter and need to exist in the wrestling world. Because if you had a bunch of me's, who <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on here. The main event was a
0: six-man tag team match as the WWE champion Drew McIntyre teamed up with the Street Profits, the Raw Mm -hmm. Tag Team Champions, to take on Randy Orton, Dolph Ziggler, and Robert Roode. A pair of Claymores are dished out to Roode and Ziggler, but in the end, they only distract McIntyre long enough to eat an RKO from Orton for the pinfall to set up the already announced Hell in a Cell main event here this is going to be one of those examples where I'm okay with the champion eating a fall because Orton's move comes out of absolutely like you don't see it coming. And when it strikes, it's mm-hmm. one of those moves similar to how Diamond Dallas pages, diamond cutter used to be in WCW that as soon as that move hits, it should be match over. We're done here. It's one of those finishers that I think you have to protect the integrity of because of the fact that it's such a quick drawing blow that, if you if he catches you with it, it's done. It's curtains. It's over. Liz, what did you think of the main event tonight? The six man tag.
3: Well, I agree with that. I definitely don't. I definitely think it's one of those occasions where I don't think it's a big deal with the the champion lost, especially and maybe you know, especially since it was in the tag team you know situation. Um, but for me, I feel like I know that Drew and Prophets, fine, their champions. It makes sense for them to you know join together. I just feel like it's kind of a bit of mishmash. It's like, okay, we have Ziggler and Rude, and we still don't know what the hell we're going to do with them, because Ziggler is definitely somebody that needs a reset and has for a very, very long time. But um, are just going to... They're evil, too, so we're going to put them over here with Randy, because they're all going to agree with each other and, and whatnot. Um, so it seems almost like a bit of a, a mishmash of people together for you know, whatever reason, the match was okay. It wasn't like an amazing end-of-the-night match. Tony, what did you make of the six-man
0: tag
2: main event? Yeah, I I thought that this would have been better if it wasn't the main event. I I think that Ali ending the show would have been much more impactful. Um, This was really run-of-the-mill. It goes back to that um, formulaic, you know, program, if you will, where everybody – what do they call it on the indies when Brian Cage – oh, get your shit in, where everybody just went in, got their shit in, and bounced. And, um, I mean, Ford flying in the air was amazing. Ziggler sold like hell, as he usually does. And Randy Orton is his usual slinky self. You know, when, um, when Dawkins got thrown into the corner and Orton, like, slowly pulled himself up, it was almost as if he assumed the camera was going to be on him from the uh, crowd, so you could slowly see him rise, even though it wasn't. And those are just the little things that I think a veteran would only know about, you know, being firmly aware of your character at all times. But in terms of wrestling quality, average, you know, run of the mill, nothing crazy. Um, I don't mind you losing. I think Orton kind of needs a, a win in the ring, not out of the ring. The only distaste I'd like for this You know, uh, thing obviously the way that we ended the show last week, and Drew saying, I'm going to drag you down to hell. It's just another one of those, you know, play on words that they do every year.
0: (laughs) Pay-per-view cliche. No, I agree. I thought that that was kind of corny and not something that really fits with McIntyre's character. I agree with that. I um I really enjoyed the six-man tag main event. I do think that the Ali would have, Ali r- reveal as the final thing we saw would have been more impactful, but I can understand wanting to put the heavyweight champion and the tag champs in the main event slot on the show. So I'm not going to be so dismissive against the against this match main eventing. All right, let's move on. The other thing that I wanted to discuss from tonight's episode of Raw was I called this episode of the reaction clashes of champions because there were a pair of titles defended. We had the SmackDown Intercontinental Title defense tonight. We got the women's tag team title match that we should have gotten at Clash of Champions, as Nia Jackson and Shayna Baszler defended against the Wyatt Squad. I actually really enjoyed this match. I thought that these four put on a much better performance than I was expecting, and. Ruby Riot comes off as a star. Uh, Tony, a valiant effort by the challengers, but the champs needed the win, even if I don't agree with how they're being presented. Major props to Ruby, who sold like hell for both of her opponents. Overall, what did you make of the women's tag team title match, and would you have been accepting of this match at Clash of Champions had it been able to happen?
2: I I mean, I, I just, I don't... I don't see them as viable contenders for the titles. Um I I know that they their arguable. build up hasn't been all that bad. You know, I I they've been struggling, they got back together, they proclaimed that they are not the Riot Squad and then came out as the Riot Squad. Um Liv has tried her best to put in some work. Ruby, I think we've always known as a servo- serviceable wrestler, but it's not so much that they're not capable. It's that Nia and Shayna are just not you, there's, there's no way in hell that you believe that they're going to lose the belts to Liv and Ruby. And that's not always a good thing. And the reason why is you watch something like tonight, and you're just not... I mean, I wasn't interested. Um, I think the only person that did great was Ruby. Naya, it's like she's going to murder somebody. Shayna needs to be careful with doing what she does because you see that once a month, you think it's awesome. You see it in every match, it gets kind of boring the whole wrist manipulation, stepping on the elbow to practically, I think in in the real world that would break somebody's hand. So um, I I like it. I like how she is. I like who she is. I think she's great, but she's got to, she's got to add just a little bit more to that move set. Otherwise it's going to become the five moves of doom and that's going to be one of them. I'm just, it's just a, she's way too new for that to feel that way already. This same question. What did you think of the women's tag team title match tonight?
3: I can't really add, you know add that much. Ruby definitely was the highlight to me. I don't. It goes back to you know you have these thrown together tag teams. Sometimes they work. I mean, most recently I I guess you know the bar, they you know they worked, and not just because I'm a huge fan girl fan girl of both because I felt that same way about them when that first thought, like, oh, okay, let's hope this ends, you know, ends quickly, um, Naya's Naya, I mean, there's very little, maybe all well, very harsh and mean people, but there's very little positive you can say at this point, because, you, you know, you get when the team is supposed to be monsters and, and whatever, but they come off as extremely dull monsters, even monsters, like, Braun needs to have some type of Person that will bright, you know, needs to have some type Of personality, and there Speaking wise Are dull as dirt Maya, um, I don't think, can tell A story in, in the ring, you know I mean, I can't either you know, just, But this is her job, you know, to save her life Shana, I think Has a much bigger future Ahead of her than, than the other three um, But I just have no You know, to really enjoy something You have to have some type of tiny bit Of emotional you know, investment in it, and I don't, um, but I've said before many, many times, I feel that way about most of women's wrestling, and that may, probably does make me an awful person, but I think for some reason, a lot of the women um, really hold back in some way on their storytelling, either in the ring or on the mic, and you just feel like, disconnected from it, and it just comes off very boring. I'm not saying the match was horrible because I didn't really pay attention to it.
0: Like I said, I enjoyed the match. I thought it was better than I was expecting it to be, so I'm willing to give all four women involved credit for that. I think sometimes maybe I set unrealistic expectations for matches going into them, and it causes me to be disappointed. This was a match that I had no particular expectations for, and I ended up enjoying a lot more than I thought I would.
3: I have one question, if I may.
1: You did
0: have
3: We find out? Did we ever find out why we didn't have the match at Glassy the Champion? Uh,
0: they claimed that Nia and Shayna were medically non-clear, were not medically cleared to compete. But Shayna and Nia have really both come people? out. Shayna and Nia have sure. both come out on Twitter and said that that wasn't true. But I'm willing to bet that the WWE probably doesn't want them to reveal the reason that they weren't medically cleared to compete.
3: Yeah, that's what I figured, but I didn't know if there was something I missed. Thank you, sir.
0: Absolutely. Happy to help. All right, quick hits for Raw. Opening contest is six-woman tag team action, because we had the bit backstage with Drew and Randy to start the show that we already discussed. So our opening contest is six-woman tag team action as Zelina Vega teams with Natalia and Lana to take on Mandy Rose, Dana Brooke, and Oscar. Uh, Tony, I have a couple of issues with this. I'm sure you can guess one. I'll, ha- I'll probably have to explain the other. Care to guess what my issues with this were, and did you have any issues of your own?
2: Um, I I wasn't interested in this, I, <laughs> first of all. Um, second of all, I I, uh, I think – okay, well, I'll just go to the Raw report. What I said was where you, you have two things. here. The good news is, is you have some less experienced people in this match, Mandy, Dana. Lana, right? And you put them with the more experienced people and eventually they'll learn from these people and they'll become better wrestlers. The bad news is when you do this though, you sometimes expose the wrestlers who just aren't that good. uh, Namely Dana, Mandy, and Lana. Now admittedly, Mandy didn't do too bad and she is the least experienced of everybody in the ring. So that kind of surprised me, but it also could be simply that she didn't have a lot to do um, unfortunately, Dana and Lana both continued, you know, their trend of just not being that good in terms of in the ring. And it showed, and it showed much more, you know, in in this match because you had Asuka there and even Zelina, to her credit, and Natalia, which as annoying as she may be, she's still a good wrestler. Um, what I don't fully appreciate is Asuka anywhere near this match. This was not a fight that I think even in the most uh, k-fave of senses, she would be interested in. So it just kind of threw me off, and it was really, it felt randomly put together. And yeah, that that's pretty much it.
0: That's actually kind of where I was going from, but from the other side of things, why in the hell would Zelina have any interest in a tag team match? What part of her Mm -hmm. character says that she would possibly get along with Lana and Natalya? To be fair, watching this match, though, she kind of didn't get along with them. She kind of did her own thing during the course of this match. So at least they they played that off character-wise in order to give Zelina a reason to be there. So, I'm, I'm willing to partially forgive that based on the way that they portrayed Zelina during the match. And then the bigger issue that I had with this match is why are we trying to line Zelina up for another shot at Oscar when she's already lost two in a row? What viable claim does Zelina have to another title shot? Liz, what did you make of the six-woman tag?
3: So, I kind of had like three takeaways from, or thoughts, I should say, on this match. One, it's there for me. It very much came off of like, oh, we have these six women back here. We should kind of like make them earn their pay, not Oscar. Um, make them well, five women and Oscar who should probably earn their paycheck for the night. Because Zelina and Zelina has done amazing work with the um, Andrade and Gaza, you know, over over the months as their manager. Um, so she earns her paycheck, but the rest of them, not necessarily including that, because she actually does a lot of stuff training-wise backstage, so she's earning her paycheck there. But it very much seemed like, okay, well, we have six people sitting here. Let's put them in a match. You know, Teddy Teddy Long was was roaming around somewhere back there in spirit. Um, No idea why Oscar was in it. And basically, I kind of thought, like, oh, was Mandy moved over to Roar because her character would clash with the Carmela character they're pushing? Because she used to be, like, the... What did they used to call her? Some type of goddess or whatever? So it's kind of, like... Almost sort of the same thing. Bodies. So you have to separate them. Yeah, whatever. You know, so it's almost like the same thing. So they put her over here 'cause it would, you know, it would be like, oh wait, Mandy. She's like a and this is not insulting Carmella. It is definitely not insulting Carmella's looks looks. I don't even think Carmella is a bad looking person. Um, like, you know, like Barbie in the knockoff Barbie, you know, type of thing. That's 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 how interested I was in the 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 match. Um, and I can't add anything that the two of you haven't said because you're absolutely right on all of it.
0: I know you said you're over Ray Mysterio. What are your thoughts on Dominic Mysterio? He teams with Humberto Carrillo to take on Seth Rollins and Murphy tonight. (laughs) Murphy Murphy and Rollins pick up the win when Murphy pins, I think, Carrillo, I want to say it was Carrillo, with a jumping knee strike counter to a springboard attempt.
3: Liz? So Yeah, I'm trying. So, okay, so obviously I wasn't on the show last week, and I'm not going to lie. I had a lot of stuff going on, and I, I crashed. I didn't even watch Russell So I'm assuming Korea showed up last week to help them. I don't know. I didn't even read the review of it, I'm going to no, be honest. They just oh, put them with them. Sh- oh, tonight. Okay, so yes, yeah, so I did. Okay, so that threw me, and now it throws me even more. I've been very much pro Dominic for a while. Um, And I still sort of, sort of am. I think the kid has a lot of potential, Um, but now it kind of needs to stop. Now it's become this whole—I don't even have any. My vocabulary is not even big enough to explain how ridiculous I feel this storyline has gotten. The whole—I mean, everybody's going berserk on the whole buddy and Alaya, you know, portion of it. Dominic now is just coming off as a controlling domineering Douche. asshole brother. Yeah, exactly, asshole brother. It it, it does not make any, you know, any sense. It's boring as hell, yeah. Tony, your thoughts on the tag team match, and
0: then we'll go right into the segment that we saw a little bit later on in the show.
3: Um,
2: the tag match was generic. Hardly a match. It, it it suffered the same that most of the matches on Raw suffered, where there just wasn't a lot of meat. It was all bone. And um, as far as the segment, I I when you look at this, what's going on, you have to ask yourself, well, you don't have to ask yourself, but I ask myself on a weekly basis, what is Rey Mysterio's family doing here? I understand that originally... They were there to support Dominic on his endeavor of becoming a WWE superstar. It showed support from the family, and it was cute. Um, and then, okay, sure, they were invited for King's Court. But other than that, what, what are they doing here? Why are you here this week? Like, why are you even – what are you doing here? <laughs> I, I don't
0: get because,
2: it. Because,
0: so, well, Ali is there to see Murphy, apparently. Yeah, as I
2: don't, far as I don't Ray like that. I, I don't, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a good enough explanation. What's Ray's wife doing there? What do, is it? Bring your daughter to work day every week? I don't know. And although, yeah, Aaliyah's old enough to make her own decisions. In what world do your wrestling families come through just to hang out on a weekly basis if they're not under contract or dating a wrestler or whatever? I don't know. It's just too much of a stretch for me to believe that they're there for any other reason except for this story to continue. And good lord. Do they want it to continue? Because I'm, excited. I'm just, I'm so glad that we're finally getting Murphy versus Seth. Because I'm hoping that they can turn away from the Mysterio family and focus on that. Oh um,
3: God, yes. I hear. What's the end
2: game? What's the end game here, Harry? Do they end up together and now Ali is a person on TV? Because I don't think that's gonna happen. Like even, even actor, I don't care about the age thing all that much I think because they... you can argue.
0: I think they mutually agree to go their separate ways. That there's too much there's too much water under the bridge, as it were. <laughs> no,
3: you're, a, li- you're a great, liar Harry. and buddy. Huh? Wait, you you said a liar and buddy agree to go their separate ways. Who's going their separate ways?
0: Uh, yes, Aaliyah and Buddy agree to go their separate ways, which gets Aaliyah off television.
2: Nah, think, they're not even. Think, they, she's just going to disappear.
3: <laughs> she, she's either gonna disappear. Or it's gonna come out that it was never romantic anyway. It was like him, her complaining about like her brother or something. You know what I mean? Like this weekend. Well, I mean to be fair. To be,
0: to be fair. Oh, I'm sorry, Liz. I'm, I get excited sometimes. Go ahead.
3: No, that's okay. I mean, even this week, she like she's beautiful. She's beautiful, beautiful young woman. But even this week, like they kind of changed the way she was. Dress she was very much more I mean her pants were you know skin tight and her, but the the top was like very much more demure she was very you know covered up and um so I kinda think it's gonna end up being, and I'm hoping they don't make it too stupid because I wouldn't want that to happen to buddy where she found a confident buddy about the brother because they are making him very, you know, douchey and controlling. And it's, and Seth even said it about how, you know, she's forgotten and, and whatnot. So maybe they'll find something there, you know, to have connected it and yep. his life or whatever. Um, but I don't understand why they're there either. And, you know, it doesn't, like what Tony was saying, it doesn't make sense. It is what we're hearing from the wrestlers. Oh, we're never with our family. We hardly ever see our family. I get it's a pandemic. You're stuck. You stuck. can't get away from them. But it doesn't make any sense. And the only one who legitimately looks like they can kick somebody's ass is the mother. And I don't say that in a bad way. I love the the mother is probably like my favorite one. But she's the only one that looks like she could kick somebody's ass.
0: I'm just going to let that one sit there. Um, as far as the Aaliyah, buddy, uh, the, I as far as the Aaliyah and Murphy thing goes, I 100% could, vi- could buy that she's she's using the conversations with him as a way to discuss the fact that Dominic's getting all the attention and she's sick of it.
2: But that being said, yeah,
0: Dominic's come, kind of coming off as a prick.
2: Why wouldn't he and get I attention don't... if it's on a wrestling show and he's a wrestler and she's not? Get out of here with that mm-hmm. bullshit.
0: Well, they they need something, Tony, because <laughs> clearly they're keeping them around, whether you want it or not. It's happening.
2: Yeah, they'll be around until Hell in the Cell. I'm sure she'll, she'll come down and throw a kendo stick in the ring or some shit, um, but I'm hoping that's the end of it. I mean, let's not forget, this is the same girl that beat his ass with her family while he was tied up against the ropes. Did something change? <laughs> she felt bad for him after she did it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. The Firefly Funhouse comes to Raw, Tony.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I think the only way this makes sense is, is if Owens ends up getting moved over to SmackDown. And the reason I say that is while I want to see his his feud with Alistair Black continue because I still don't think they've had the banger that they're capable of. His immediate interactions with Bray Wyatt over the course of the last two episodes between The Fiend on SmackDown and then the Firefly Funhouse tonight seem to be that they're trending towards a Kevin Owens-Bray Wyatt feud rather than a continuation of the Kevin owens Alistair Black feud. Are you okay with them moving Owens to feud with Bray Wyatt, or do you think that we need a resolution to Owens and Black first?
2: No. In fact, I love the fact that this feud isn't done yet, and he's dealing with Brett because that's how the real world is, or as real as one could make it, you know. In in a wrestling world, you don't. Know, I know there's a lot of stop and start feuds, but a well-written show has interwoven stories that overlap, and you know people are involved in multiple things. So having Black still basically say, "I'm not done with you yet." And having Owens try and tie in the fact that brooding people like the brood in Ministry of Darkness may very well be after him, um, that all works for me. I joked about it last week, and I stand by this. I strongly feel that the writers go up to Kevin Owens and give him his script for the day, and he stands there in frustration with his hand behind his head, lightly scratching, and just says to him, like, all right, I'll I'll, I'll try to make it work, and goes out there and makes it work. <laughs> Bray Wyatt's segment was trash and was ass, but Owens did everything he could to keep it together and he he always does it, you know? Liz, what did you make of the KO show bleeding into
0: the fire flush on house?
3: I don't know. Um, I think Bray versus Owens has a lot of potential. Um, but I think the Funhouse was the weakest part of it. Um, Tonight, listen, everybody has an off night. I'm not about to, you know, write it off. I don't mind people having multiple storylines at once. So I think Owen's going against two crazy people. Well, one very intense person and one crazy person. Um, Could be interesting if anybody can carry it off. it's Probably, you know, Kevin. If he has moved over to SmackDown, I hope we don't end up with more, you know, Sammy, Kevin, other than the occasional, you know, bickering backstage or whatever. Um, But, you know, when I was growing up, all those eons ago, people had multiple storylines to, to a degree. I mean, it used to be that you had your champion, you know, whoever it was, we'll say Hogan, and then the Intercontinental Champion was always going after that after the champion, but the Intercontinental champion had 600 people coming after him. So it's always a lot of mixing of storylines. So I guess maybe that's how I grew up with it. I don't really mind it. I think, you can, like Tony said, you could add a lot more dimensions to it. So we'll see, um, we'll see what happens. I don't really care who ends up where because I don't think in the long run um, it matters because the next time it happens, I'll go back to the to the other show. we pretty much know there's going to be certain people that aren't going anywhere. So, how much really is totally going to change, you know, with the draft?
0: Not to mention the whole cross brancing that they're still that bullshit they're still spewing, which kind of takes us right to our next talking point here. Keith Lee and Braun Strowman, Tony. Oi. Okay, here's the thing. I'm sorry. I'm going to go first here because I actually have a, a minor tirade about this. Not nothing major, like I did last week. No major tirades. Minor tirade. One. Why the fuck is Braun Strowman showing up on Raw on a regular basis? He's basically <laughs> giving away the fact that he's moving to Raw in the in the in the draft. Two. I don't fucking care about St- Braun Strowman to begin with. Three, and the most important part of this. Why are you wasting Keith Lee on Braun fucking Strowman? And yes, folks, Keith Lee having to face Braun Strowman is wasting Keith Lee.
2: Tony? (laughs) Yeah, uh, okay. The brand whatever is a joke and has been a joke since its incarnation. apparently we're only supposed to care about it in November when there's a Survivor Series match or Raw versus SmackDown suddenly matters. Um, And then it disappears again. We've seen people cross brands, and we've heard of a brand-to-brand invitational, and then it went away, and now it's quarterly. And then you have wrestlers do whatever the hell they want because they're wrestlers that do whatever the hell they want. And all that, I mean, it's not okay, but we accept it because we know the WWE. But what better way to point out your glaring flaws than to have a wrestler who is not supposed to be on Raw show up on Raw a week before a draft, not even a week, like five days before a draft, that is supposed to express they may never be on the same show again. Um, first of all, it's in the Performance Center, so you're saying, you know, they just won't go to work on Monday. That doesn't mean anything to me anymore. It hasn't in a very long time. Now, we get to Braun Strowman, and one could... Deduce that because he's Braun Strowman, he's going to do what he wants, when he wants, however he wants it, except for fight a big guy who pissed him off because Shane said it'll happen next week. So, you know, apparently Shane can control him. Um, and then Lee walks in and he says, Shit, I'm game. So I like that. I like Lee standing up and saying, Why not? And the match itself, some intrigue. You know, I'm not a big host guy. I'm not a big guy you know super big guy versus super big guy that doesn't get me excited it doesn't you know entice me but lee is an anomaly he's fast he's you know great so the little interaction that they had i thought it was relatively fun um my problem stems in how we got there and bron showing up on a show that wasn't that he wasn't supposed to be in you know less than a week before draft um the obvious countout that happened so quickly. Uh, Braun calling the father of his former tag team partner a moron. I figured they'd had a better relationship than that. And I also don't like it being sold as an exhibition match. Isn't that what every match is? Or that it's not counted towards the record book? When do y'all care about a record book? Like it just, everything about this segment was so lazy. Now, you want to do a Braun versus lee match right let's let's just say that's how they started how do we get these two to lock horns you have a draft coming up It that it's right there harry you can make this story up in like 20 seconds literally anything crossing paths in a hallway and they just bump into each other that's it that's a match that's it That you're done you're literally done <laughs> that, that's all you need instead they went like super convoluted unnecessary breaking your own rules and i've talked about breaking rules of the world that you create it leaves the viewer completely confused and or no longer caring about the rules that you've established so it's just like wow y'all you guys spent all this time for this story when it could have been a cross in the crossing a path in the hallway and you didn't spend any time on revealing ali as the leader of retribution it's just those are the short-sighted decisions that are bothersome, and are only true. And I only find them to be true when you hear stories ad nauseum about raw being written the day of. Well, here's
0: any thoughts on Keith Lee mm-hmm.
3: versus Braun Strowman? I mean, it just—I mean, it's, it did start in a convoluted way. It's like we all know Braun is just there because Braun, Braun's angry, because Braun realizes he was just. A placeholder, which we all knew um, that he was a placeholder um, for the championship, and he's angry. And we got that. I I have no idea what the hell happened at Underground because again, I missed something somewhere, and I haven't bothered to look it up. But for whatever reason, (coughs) um, the NXT talent, the the NXT
0: talents that usually fill in as extras for Underground were under quarantine due to the COVID outbreak at the at Full Sail.
3: Ah, okay that makes sense. I didn't I only heard rumblings or something. So anyway. So that makes sense. Thank you. Um big guy big guy versus big guy versus big guy. Been there, done that, but it can be good. I wouldn't have mind like an all out brawl where you didn't get a pin. It didn't you know, we've seen it before, like somebody's like, I want a match and you know, like Tony was saying, he should have been hanging around board, but like, Hey yeah, let's go, you know, whatever. And that's fine because it's two guys. They just want to fight. I can get behind that. That's great. If they had just given us some type of ball, I didn't need a pinfall. I didn't need anything like that. I just needed these two big guys to beat the shit out of each other. And I really was left one thing more. I know Twitter's like going and saying like they're wastingly, they're wastingly, they're wastingly. You could say that about we know we say it about 98 percent of you know their people. So hopefully they'll find, you know, what they're doing there. But it could have been something really great, but it was just came off as more of the same, like I said, with the women, like, okay, well we have these two guys here, let's have them have them fight. The, the brands don't mean anything. Everybody is all over the place. So if I had a brawl, like a real nice, really good brawl, I would have been totally behind it, but it was just kind of fluff.
0: If you were going to do what they did with this match here, if you were going to do the, the quick count out finish and then Strowman putting Lee through the barricade and then them brawling up onto the stage and going off of the stage, don't even start the match. Have Strowman come out of the ring as Keith Lee's making his entrance and just let them fight. And then have the referees and the, and the agents and stuff come out and try to break them up, keep them separated, but have them keep breaking and getting into the, into the brawl. Granted, I know how much Tony loves his pull apart brawls, but it would have made more sense than trying to give us the illusion of a match when it comes to this. Tag team action as the Hurt Business team of Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin took on Apollo Crews and Ricochet. And Apollo, welcome firmly back to the mid card, good sir. The thing is, the thing is with Apollo Crews is. Like, he shows flashes of brilliance, but there's just no character to back it up. Ricochet's starting to show more of a character. Ricochet's starting to show some personality, which is something that Ricochet has desperately needed. The Hurt Business has brought out the best in Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin. Both of those guys have been 1,000% better (laughs) since they aligned themselves with MVP. MVP. And I think a lot, of the credit goes to, a lot of the credit for that goes to MVP himself for putting together a situation similar to what he used to have in Impact Wrestling with the Beatdown clan of a group of guys who took no shit from nobody, did what they wanted to do, and didn't care who stepped to them. If you want to step up, you get put down. Ricochet shows potential. Lashley and Shelton in their Her Business persona show potential. I don't see it with Apollo anymore. And I like Apollo Cruz. I'm a huge fan of his ring work. But there's no, there's no sizzle to go with the steak. And sometimes you need both, right Liz?
3: You do. I mean, I really think that Apollo would benefit from being part of the Hurt business. He would have someone and this is a, you know, being being negative, but I do I like Apollo as well, um, have somebody to almost Mimic, um, in a sense, because they all have their same coming out in their, you know, suits and the attitude and whatever, and I think he could play that off very well. I think they're hurting him more by not making him part of the hurt business. I mean, MVP has been killing it since he's been back. I mean, that first week or two when he was there, you're kind of like, oh, it's nice to see him, but this doesn't make any sense. But here again, like Tony says, it's a WWE, so nothing makes sense. Um, but he, every week, he's been like, my favorite or one of my favorite plots of of the show Um, so I know like they kind of like hinted with Ricochet maybe thinking about it but I think it would be major benefit for Apollo to be working with um, her business because he's somebody who can benefit from a mouthpiece I know
0: Tony same question do you think we need more Sizzle to go with the stake that Apollo brings to the ring
2: um, I think that it's there. It just, you know, he had an opportunity, but it wasn't in the right setting. Um, he was in the early days of the pandemic era. So you couldn't gauge crowd reactions. I think that he was great. I think he had a much better showing on the mic. And I think that what the problem is, and I, I, I this might be a little bit taboo to say, but when you stick them and you, and, and you keep this group where all the black men wrestle each other, there's, there's not going to be any growth because eventually one of them is going to have to lose and they chose him. Like who has Apollo feuded with since the pandemic? Nobody, but I, I, MVP and his I people. Saw, I, saw, I saw
0: a stat on Twitter actually that you, you bring that up. I saw a stat on Twitter that said that Apollo Cruz has had 16 matches since March and every single one of them has been against a member of the Hurt business.
2: Yeah. So that's a problem, (laughs) a glaring problem. And so I don't think it's Apollo's fault. I think that they did not, I mean, it was circumstances and it was timing and it was their inability to break the shell that is, you know, African-American wrestling on the WWE, you know, raw show, because very rarely do they go outside of it. Now one could say there's a story that they're trying to tell but the story has been told. The story is over with. Just let it go somewhere else.
0: Well, it looks like the, um, at the very least, the Hurt Business is moving on to, to die Jack. I refuse to use those retarded as video game names. To die jack, uh Shane Thorne, Dio Madden, and Mustafa Ali with Retribution now. Teabag? Below me. <laughs> that wraps up for all because we've already discussed everything else. All right, Tony, favorite match or moment from the week.
2: Um, uh, let's give it to Jeff and to say, uh, Sammy. Liz.
3: Um, I do, I do love Sammy, but um, I'm gonna have to go with Jay. Jay winning against, um, AJ. Cause I, I, know people have their issues with it and we went into it before, but I don't really have a big, uh, don't think it's horrible that AJ, you know, lost to, to Jay. Um, I was really very happy for him that he got such a big win for him. So I'm going with Jay beating AJ.
1: We're all going to have different picks
0: here because I'm actually going to go with the main event opportunity that Mustafa Ali now finds himself with. I, genuinely hope that this is the start of something big for Mustafa, because it could not have happened to a... and From everything you hear, it could not have happened to a better dude. Mustafa Ali is what a pro wrestler should be. Even if he's portraying a bad guy on screen, he's anything but. Mm -hmm. Greg, Greg Watry, Tony.
2: Um... I feel like I had so many. <laughs>
0: um, I'm going to take the low hanging fruit here. So
2: yeah, I'm trying not to. But um, I guess I guess the whole uh, Braun Strowman showing up. Um, just I'm not saying that they that this isn't the first time this has happened. It's just so close to the draft. It kind of like. Man, they—they—you're just proving that this draft doesn't mean shit. <laughs> Liz,
3: um, trying to think. Yeah, that was pretty pointless. But I'm gonna go with the women's six-six woman person match because I had no interest about it whatsoever. Tony,
0: we discussed everything that happened on Raw except for two segments. you know why we didn't discuss those two segments? Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I guess my mind clutches that Jack. out almost immediately.
0: Because we talked about Nia Jax tonight. And by rules of this show, if we talk about one, we don't have to deal with the other. The 24-7 title needs to die a very quick and painful death.
2: Oh, <laughs> Moving on. How's that even a uh, pen? Scale of 1 to 10 for Raw tonight, Tony. Um, I'm pretty sure I gave it a 5. Um, the you wrestling did. was practically non-existent. Um, and the wrestling that was good was nothing you couldn't, you know, do on 2K. Like, it was very generic. And I'm excited but apprehensive at the same time, which is probably impossible, but that's how I feel, um, at Ali being the somewhat leader of Retribution. Um, you're, you're anxiously excited, which is kind of
0: your MO, actually. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I get disappointed a lot. Um, also, uh, Drew is, I like Drew. I like him being vicious. I think he needs to stay away from trying to drag people to hell. That's more Randy Orton's thing. Um, so that's fine, but, you know, the build the build here was even somewhat formulaic. So it just, Raw, I feel like if I missed Raw tonight, the only thing I would have missed would would have been Ali's reveal. Liz, scale of 1 to
3: 10. I don't think I can go much higher than a 6. Um, similar to what Tony said, it's like I was, like, looking at it going, well, I could just read the review as I was... As I'm talking about it, it wasn't there wasn't anything that really gripped you and you made you like really want to stay tuned to it. it. Was overall? Even though like a lot of my favorites were on it, Drew Dolph, you know whoever, um, it just wasn't. really wasn't good storytelling overall. I'm slightly higher than both of you at a six and a half.
0: But at the same time, I really enjoyed the the Hurt business. Um, like we said before, MVP has been absolutely murdering it since the formation of the Hurt mm-hmm. business. Um, Mustafa finally getting a chance to step into the light, as it were. But um, and then I really enjoyed the I really enjoyed the women's tag team title match. I thought that all four women had a much better showing than I thought they would in that contest because I was fearing the absolute worst there. And I came out of that match pleasantly surprised by what I saw. The main event was what it was. It was six men who went in there, six capable hands that went there, had ten minutes to tell a story, and they told a strong enough story for the ten minutes that they had. So I'm I'm perfectly satisfied with tonight's episode of Raw. I will admit to watching the Mon- Monday Night Football games in the background, but Raw did have my primary focus. Um, Who's your MVP for the week, Tony?
2: Um... I'm going to give it to Sammy. He's had a great return, and I think he's excited about returning, which you can tell with the wrestling. It's it's nice to see. Liz? I
3: have to go. I have to agree. I have to go with Sammy because he even brings it over on Twitter where he takes himself seriously and not so seriously. I've loved everything about his um, Yosemite Sam return.
0: My favorite thing with Sammy is, and Tony and I talked about this last week when you weren't on the show, Uh, WWE on Fox tweeted out the picture of Sammy after the latter match and said, now he's never going to shut up. And Sammy responded back to the official WWE on on Fox with a, you got that right, Biotts. Which is just so Sammy to do. I'm going Mm -hmm. to go with his longtime running buddy, Kevin Owens who I thought portrayed a very strong role on both SmackDown and Raw in the advancement of the Alexa Fiend storyline. Don't start. Don't you start, Tablet. You've been behaving yourself. Knock it off. In the start of the Bliss and Fiend segment, as well as the continuation of the minor suit that he kind of has going as well, still with Alistair Black. Johnny, where can people find the Raw report?
2: And the uh, SmackDown report? 411 Mania. 411mania.com. You will find me there three times a week. Um, and the AW report. Yes.
0: <laughs> Not really relevant to our show, but he does cover Dynamite on a weekly basis as well. Anything in particular I need to look for from last week's episode of Dynamite?
2: I haven't watched it yet. Um, it was a fun episode. Um. I, you know me, I watch wrestling and flush it out of my head. I can't think of any one particular point. Uh, wrestling was great. Um, Ricky Starks has a beautiful spear. And, um, yeah, yeah Jackson superkick Tony Schiavone. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the Young Bucks heel turn.
0: Liz, where can people find you online?
3: uh P 224 on Twitter and Instagram if you want to see a lot of food pictures.
1: <laughs>
0: Some of her food pictures though. Man, it's like food porn. Mm-hmm. You can also you can also find Tony on Pornhub. I'm Tony. Yeah, I'm oh, sure we've made that joke many times before on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um You're at ATV the Eagle One. I'm at ATV The Eagle on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at Harry Broadhurst as well on Facebook. Um, season five of the Fantasy Wrestling League is still underway. Working on yeah. getting everything going with that. Still, uh, check out Fantasy Wrestling League. If you listen to the show, mention that you heard about it on the on the uh, Raw Reaction or the Reaction, because we lost our Raw somewhere along the way. Mention that you heard about it on the Reaction. And maybe Tony should trade some people.
3: Just yeah, maybe.
2: I, should, I, I I should really look into that.
3: You <laughs> Let me give you a big hint here, Tony. You really should.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I finally just picked up some more points uh, last night at TakeOver. I was pretty happy about that. Ballard gave me another 15, so that was pretty cool. For the co-hostess with the mostest making her return, welcome back, Liz. Thank you and the Down Since Day One co-host, Tony Athero. I'm Harry Broadhurst. You have been listening to The Reaction, a presentation of the ChairShot Radio Network online at thechairshot.com.
2: Deuces, bitches.
1: You have been listening
0: to The Reaction, a presentation of the ChairShot Radio Network. Join us again next Monday night at 11.30 p.m. Eastern as Harry Broadhurst, Tony Acero, and Louis Puglisi break down the WWE draft here on The Reaction on the ChairShot Radio Network. Where's your bit at? There it is.
2: TheChairShot.com. Always use your head.
0: Thanks for listening.
2: Thanks, Platt.
1: Deuces.